All right, well, this is part five of a series called Just Give. Um, we are talking this morning about stewarding our time. And so my, my goal this morning as we move through this is that we could apply some lessons that we've been learning along the way to how we use our time. And so at a really basic level, what we've been saying for several weeks now is that we're being called to be stewards who are faithful in our stewardship and who are wise in our stewardship. And so we're faithful by knowing and obeying Jesus. It's relational. And then we're wise because we're learning from him how to walk out this life he's given us. And so that's how we steward faithfully and with wisdom. And then he calls us to be givers who are generous and have gratitude. And so as we approach how we use our time this morning, that's how we're going to approach it. How do I be a faithful and wise steward with my time? And how can I give my time away generously and, and enjoy my time with gratitude? That's where we're heading. So number one, stewarding our time faithfully. We're going to pick this up um, looking at a verse in Mark chapter 1. But I want to say before we even look at this, um, this is a verse talking about Jesus. This is not a random one-time thing that we see in Jesus' life. We see a regular, consistent pattern of him doing this exact thing right here. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Speaking of Jesus, Mark writes and he says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus, God in human flesh, practiced regularly with his time getting away and having time with the Lord. The way that he stewarded his time is realizing, I need time with the Father. I need time in his presence. I need to foster and build this relationship. And so he intentionally and regularly set time aside to do this. See, if, if point one is we need to learn how to be faithful with our time, that means that we are knowing the master and then we learn to obey the master. Well, it starts with knowing him. I've got to spend time with him in order to get to know him. Uh, th this seems, might seem really basic or elementary, but if I, I would learn from other relationships in my life, when I was interested in this girl named Amy Turner who is now Amy Spencer, it required time. And I was happy to give it. I wanted every chance I could get spending with Amy to get to know her and to build a relationship. I didn't, I didn't just, I wasn't just introduced to her once and then was like, now I know her. Now we're, now we've got this deep, wonderful relationship. I invested time. And so the, the first thing I want to encourage us with this morning, and these first couple might seem really basic to you, but we have to start with a solid foundation. And so if I'm going to steward my time faithfully, the first thing I need to do with it is give it to him. Give it to him. Uh, just to use a word we've already been using recently, you might even consider viewing it as if you're tithing some time to him. What if I intentionally set aside a portion of my time and just said, God, this belongs to you? Now, I realize immediately the dangers and pitfalls of talking about this is we can turn it into a regimented, legalistic, religious requirement. Oh, I have to get up at 5 a.m. I must spend 30 minutes. I've got to read this many chapters of the Bible in this chronological order. 
this, this isn't about a rigid religious activity. It's about meaningful time getting to know our Savior, getting to know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, becoming acquainted with Him. Not only do I think this might look different over time, I think it should. I think there may be times where it's very deep and intentional study of the Word. I think there's times where it's stopping outside and just taking in the beauty of His creation and recognizing God took time to do that. And He placed something inside of me that gets excited about that. It can be prayer, it can be time in the Word, it can be reflection. There's different ways that we spend time with Him, but the point is to do it. To intentionally set aside time and give it to Him and watch what He does. It's amazing to me how I allow myself to become so busy with the stuff of life and the details of life that I will make excuses for myself on why I don't give Him time. What I have noticed in my personal life, and I've, I've known many friends who've testified to this, when I set time aside for him, it's amazing what actually happens with the rest of my day. I've been in seasons where I feel like I've got so much on my plate and so much to do, I begin to feel so overwhelmed. But when I set time aside with him, it does something. And he, he works this miracle because he's the God outside of time. He works this miracle. Well, somehow I either get stuff done faster than I normally do or I'm more focused than I typically am or, or he stretches time. I, I don't know how it works, but I know that it does. And the thing I've learned in, in, in my life is I actually don't have time to skip out on time with him. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. So it, it just, it does something. Um, the psalmist David talks about this a little bit in Psalm 63. We're just going to read the first few verses. This is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And he cries out and he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Um, that word earnestly in a lot of translations has, has been made the word early. The idea is I'm, I'm so eagerly anticipating this time with you that I make it a priority. That's the mindset behind that word. Earnestly or early I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Notice he's writing this while he's in the wilderness. He's, he's attaching the tangible thing he's experiencing being in the wilderness and realizing, God, this is the condition of my heart and soul when I've been distant or removed from you. I'm dry. I'm desperate. I need you. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary and beholding your power and glory. That's getting to know him. I'm in awe of you, God. You're glorious. You're powerful. You're amazing. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I see him as glorious and beautiful and powerful. I also recognize his incredible love towards me and it draws me in. And so I can praise him, even though, as David writes, I'm in the wilderness, even in that. Verse four, so I will bless you as long as I live. He's talking about time. I'll bless you as long as I live in your name. I lift up my hands. Spending time with God has a way of recalibrating us to what's really important. It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us of his heart towards us and how much we need him. And then we can watch the surprise 
of how God will redeem and expand our time when we do that. You know, we, we've looked at other aspects biblically to, to being good stewards and being givers, and we've talked about this idea of integrity and alignment. If the gospel's true, it's true everywhere. If, if I need Jesus to save me from my sins, if I need his grace to rescue and redeem me, part of what he's doing is he's redeeming me into eternal life. It touches time. If I want him to redeem my finances, I, I bring my life and my finances in line with who God is. If I want him to redeem my day, how I'm living and interacting with the world around me, I bring God into that. And so I, I give him my time. I tithe my time. And so one of the ways I faithfully steward my time is giving it to him. Another way that I faithfully steward my time is living it with him. I give it to him and I live it with him. I'm going to read our, our favorite verse that we all feel like we just nail this every time, all day, every day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Rob was talking this morning about how he's got that one down. <laughs> no, we were joking with Savannah earlier, but pray without ceasing. I mean, I read that and I just hear an unattainable command that I could po not possibly ever live up to. Any, am I the only one? Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, it just feels like pray without ceasing. Like, how could I possibly do that? But if we understand what prayer is, it's communion with God. It's relationship with him. And he's ever present always. I may not be literally have prayer words on my lips to him all day long. But I can live my life in such a way where I recognize his regular, consistent presence with me throughout the day. And I can regularly stop to consider it. Listen to what he might be saying to me or invite him to come be in the midst of something that's going on. Jesus, Jesus lived his life this way. I've listed several in the notes. and You can go back and, and read these later. But Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed regularly in the mornings as we just read. He prayed all night the night before he chose his disciples. So he's about to make an important decision. And he brought God into that decision-making process. He prayed while speaking to adversaries. When the Jewish leaders were present, he stopped and prayed as he was interacting with them. He prayed before, during, and after miraculous times. He prayed before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer. They wanted to pray because they saw how important it was in his life. And so they said, Jesus, teach us how to do that. He prayed for others regularly, even in his darkest hours. He was praying for people leading up to his betrayal. He was praying for people as he was being executed, saying, Father, forgive them. In his very last breath, he prayed a prayer. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. If the Son of God needed to live his life in conscious awareness of the Father's presence and stay in regular communication with him, how much more do you and I? And it's available. This, please don't hear this as, as me bashing us and saying we got to do this more. This is an invitation. God is present and alive and active and he loves us. And he's inviting us to know him and to live life with him. 
And so we can set aside, uh, set aside time regularly, intentionally to foster that relationship, but then we can live our life daily, moment by moment, in such a way that we are aware of his continual presence. Um, a pretty well-known verse is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, but I, I want to lead us into that a little bit. The basis behind Paul talking about all that he's able to do because of who Christ is, he's reflecting on the condition of his life and all of the different circumstances that he finds himself in. And so we're going to pick up halfway through verse 12, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. In any and every circumstance, can I just ask you real quick, are there any other types of circumstances besides any and every? I don't think so. I think that covers all of them. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. See, Paul's even wise enough to realize I'm in trouble when things are great and I'm in trouble when I'm desperate and hungry. There are pitfalls no matter where I am in life. And Paul says, I've figured out the secret. When there's plenty and when there's hunger, when there's abundance and in their need, what is the secret? I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. That, that is available moment by moment, day by day. He's with us. He loves us. And so he is present. When I take time to know him, then I can spend my day with him. And that's how I learn to steward my life faithfully. In a, in a minute, we're going to get into some practical things to consider. But if we leap to the practical things to figure out what do I do to order my life and leave behind the personal relationship with this God who loves us, who will faithfully, personally, uniquely with each of us lead us by the hand through our days, we miss it. We turn our life into a set of principles instead of I, there's a God that I can know and walk with. The creator of the universe makes himself available to me right now, today. Every now and then, that should make us go, what? Like, it's, like it's, it's, that's incredible news. The creator of the universe is making himself available to me right now. Have you ever had somebody in your life or a situation in your life where you really needed to talk to somebody? One of the ways I've, I've noticed this the most is when I've had a boss in my life that, like, I really needed to address an issue. I needed an answer to a question. I needed to appeal to that boss to get an answer to something. And he's so busy and there's so much going on. It's like I can't even get time, like five minutes. And then when you finally do, they're, like, incredibly distracted and not present. Anybody experience that? Yeah. The creator of the universe who holds everything in his hands and it's his responsibility to make sure the entire world functions and is okay, is saying to you, I am available right here, right now, whenever you want, with my full focus and attention. Whoa. Whoa. He loves us. And he's available. And I'm thankful. And so let's live in light of that. So we steward our time faithfully. All right, point number two. We learn to steward our time wisely. As we walk with this God who is present and love us, loves us, he will teach us how to wisely use our time. 
And so we're going to turn and look at a psalm that is generally regarded as the oldest psalm. Moses is attributed with writing this psalm. This is Psalm 90. The whole psalm is worth reading, and it's a psalm of kind of reflection on who God is, his faithfulness, the fact that he's also a judge, but the fact that he's also merciful and good and loving. But I want to, I want to pull out a few verses that emphasize a reflection, um, some, some consideration, some pondering on time and who God is and how God operates in time and who we are in the, the condition of our lives. And so I want to encourage you, let's, let's kind of join Moses here in his consideration. So verses 4, 10, and 12 is what we're going to read. Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. So he's reflecting on how for God time is nothing. Verse 10. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. And we live in a little bit more of a modern age. And so we can even get into our 90s and occasionally meet somebody that's past the century mark. Pretty incredible. But our days are numbered. Yet their span is but toil and trouble and they are soon gone and we fly away. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Moses says it is actually worth reflecting on two things. How much time does not restrict God? It's, it's a small thing to him. And also reflect on our life, that it, there is trouble and there is difficulty, but that there is a short set span of time that we have. And so let's consider that. Let's live with that awareness. So I, I'm gonna, I just want to lay out some things for us to consider. These, this is not a full, complete list on thoughts regarding our time, but I just I want to get us thinking a little bit. So I want to encourage you to consider some things. I want to begin by just considering the words of the great theologians, um, Hootie and the Blowfish, who once asked, time, why you punish me? Anybody familiar with that? No. Do we really have nobody in here that is familiar with Hootie? Can I get some Hootie and the Blowfish fans? Wow, like six people. I'm both too old and too young all at the same time. <laughs> well, maybe in the 90s this would have landed a little better. All right, well, whatever. You can go look up Hootie and the Blowfish's song, Time. But they're reflecting on, it's like, it's like the modern Ecclesiastes. They're like reflecting on how just time just slips through your fingers and it's gone and but this idea, time, why do you punish me? Well, it punishes us because it's scarce. It's a scarce thing. See, we understand the concept, I think we understand the concept of scarce resources. They run out, they go away. I'm very aware that money is a scarce resource. I watch that thing disappear. Time is similar. In fact, I would argue time is more scarce because you know what I have the ability to do? Earn more money. You know what I don't have the ability to do? Earn more time. It is a, a resource that we use up that goes away. We cannot collect any more of it. So we should live with a sense of awareness that time is rare and precious. Another thing that I should consider is this fact. Not only is time scarce, time is temporary. I don't mean that it goes by fast. I mean it's temporary. 
Time is a dimension of this world in which we live. Time does not exist in eternity. In heaven, we are outside of time. I'm not trying to totally like blow our minds here and get into some wild like, have you ever tried to sit and think about heaven in, in terms of eternity and like living forever? Do you start to like black out and get a little woozy? Yeah. Like I, my brain almost can't go there. But you know why? I'm trying to apply time to my way of thinking when I'm considering eternity. I can't consider it because time isn't there. Time is temporary. It's fleeting. So even though it's scarce, it's also temporary. But you are not. You and I are eternal. That's, if we know Jesus, that's really good news. If I know who God is and what his heart towards me is, that's good news. Time is a temporary thing. So I should consider it as scarce and have some wisdom in how I use it. But I can also relieve some pressure off of my life when I realize time is temporary. It's of this world. But I'm an eternal being who's going to live with the king forever. Therefore, if I follow this line of thinking, the God that I can know and walk with and learn wisdom from about how I use my time, he is eternal right now. Therefore, time is nothing to him. He's outside of it. He can come and interject himself into my time and be available, but he's free from its bounds. So time is scarce. It's temporary. God is outside of it. Therefore, I can entrust my time to God. Here's the thought that I hope we can all grab hold of. And if we miss everything else this morning, I hope you can grab this. If time is a resource that will run out, how cool is it that I can take my time that will run out and invest it in something that will never run out? I want you all to hear that. I can take my time that will run out that is scarce and temporary and I can invest it in that which is eternal, which will have an eternal reward that pays off forever. When you're investing time in God, you're investing time in a relationship that lasts, I almost said a lifetime, forever. When I invest my life in people, I am investing in something that lasts forever. Are are y'all grabbing this? We have a limited resource, a temporary resource that we can invest in what is eternal. Consider those things. Now, I want to reflect on three ideas that we can apply to how we use our time. With all of this in mind, time is scarce, it's temporary, God is not bound by it, and therefore I can entrust my time to God, then here's some things I should do. Number one, learn to rest. That should contradict us a little bit. Because if we're saying time runs out, then isn't it wasting my time to rest? Rest is an act of trust. When I am asleep, there's no one watching over me. That has become very real to me as a dad. Do we have any married men in the room? Got a few married men in the room? Any married men with kids in the room? Okay. There are a couple of distinct moments in my life where I remember feeling like really afraid. And I'll, I'll never forget the first time that I was going to bed when my daughter Ashley had been brought home for the first time. 
And the weight and fear of responsibility that I'm protecting this young child and my wife. I mean, I must have checked the locks like five times. I'm wandering around the house. Man, even like the first year we were married, I used to sleep really light. Little sounds would like wake me up and I'm looking out the window. And I mean, maybe I'm giving you a little insight into my fearful psyche that I had at the time. But the, there, there felt like a weight of responsibility. And I felt nervous, like I have to protect and care for this. To learn to rest, it's an act of trust. And I don't just mean against the things that we're afraid of. I'm entrusting God that everything will get taken care of. It's an act of trust to say, God, I'm going to learn to rest because I can get to that other stuff later. And I'm going to trust that you're going to help me with that when I get there. But I need to, I need to rest. And so rest is an act of trust. Jesus slept in a storm. That should bother us. He didn't just sleep in a storm. He slept in a storm in a boat, a fishing boat. Have you ever been on a boat that is rocking around? I mean, like, I'm sick to my stomach. I'm, I, I feel totally out of control. I mean, you get on big waves in a small boat, and you realize how small you are in the world. And Jesus is just sleeping. And the disciples were befuddled by that. How can you possibly be sleeping? Wake up. Don't you see? The whole world is crashing down on us. But Jesus had learned to rest. It's an act of trust. We should learn to rest. This is a problem in our culture. We are sleeping way less than our bodies were designed to sleep. And we are going at a pace that is dangerous for us. One area that I've kind of seen this reflected talked about this over time. I'm a big basketball fan. But there is actually this thing happening in the NBA where um, the science and technology is, is they're learning how important it is to get lots of sleep. And so it's a regular normal thing for them to have very intentional sleep patterns to nap during the day. They'll actually work out less than they used to in order to get proper rest because it's so vitally important to their physical bodies. Why am I talking about this on a Sunday morning? Isn't God about spiritual stuff? He made us spirit, soul, and body. If you don't take care of your physical body, you will feel it emotionally, mentally, spiritually. You will tax yourself. You won't see or think clearly when you're worn out and exhausted. Rest is a biblical principle. And it, it, it matters to us physically. Listen, another reason why it's important. Rest combats anxiety. Because rest teaches me to trust, I learn to, to let go more and more of control. And as I learn to let go of control and to rest and not be so wrapped up and caught up and I don't have time for this, this, and this, and I learn to, to rest and trust him and surrender control, God begins to deal with my anxiety. Rest. It's an important aspect of stewarding our time wisely. Number two, work hard, but, and I have to actually say the work hard part first because we're automatically going to assume this next thing is wrong and lazy. Work hard, but don't celebrate busyness. In our culture, we've, we've actually made an idol, I believe, out of busyness. Our culture celebrates and honors a very busy life. A full calendar equals a full life. We do that in our work and we do it in our social lives. 
If my social calendar is light, then my life must not be very full and fulfilling. If my work calendar isn't just filled up and maxed out and I'm just go, 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 working hard. Like we actually honor and respect busyness. But let me ask you a question. Would you celebrate someone who spends all of their money blowing it on things that don't last and then live off the scraps? Would we celebrate that? I want you to think of this for a minute. Would we celebrate that? If we took our money and we just spent it on lots of things that don't last, that are temporary and fleeting, and then we spend the rest of our life kind of trying to live off the scraps of what we can scrape together, we would look at that as foolishness, would we not? Is time a limited resource that goes away? We celebrate a behavior that is unwise. We fill our lives and our calendars with endless busyness. And what happens is the busyness chokes out the most vital, important things that are actually eternal. We, we need to stop celebrating busyness. Remember that time is a scarce resource. So how do we do this? We do this by getting control of our calendar instead of letting our calendar control us. I'm going to tell my calendar what to do instead of letting my calendar dictate my life. We need to learn to say no. So we're going to practice this this morning. On the count of three, on the count of three, y'all are going to give me your best no. You ready? No. <laughs> that was awesome, Bill. One, two, three. No. You get to say no. You you get to say no. You can choose to say no to things. Do you realize when somebody asks you to do something, you don't have to justify yourself to them? You don't. You can, you can just say no. In fact, I'll teach you a trick. Y'all ready for a trick? I learned this a few years ago from somebody. I'll teach you a trick. If, if, you're just, if you just can't possibly bring yourself to let a friend down or disappoint somebody important to you by saying the word no to them. If you just can't do that, let me teach you a phrase. Here's the phrase. You ready? My schedule won't allow it. Because people respect your schedule because you must be really busy. If your schedule won't allow it, you must have a lot going on. See, here's the trick. We still live in a world that celebrates busyness. So it's hard to break out of that. You can just... Tell people my schedule won't allow it. Why? Because I, I blocked out time in there that I know I need for rest, for things that are of importance and value in my life, for people who are important and valuable in my life. What if we learned to get at our calendars and put what is most important eternally on there first and then figure out how to fill in the margins? I wonder how radically different our lives would be. My schedule won't allow it. I don't have to tell them why. Now, I guess if, if they run into me sitting leisurely at a coffee shop at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because I turned down an appointment, maybe they'll feel like I owe them an explanation. But I, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't be responsible. I'm saying if you will learn to manage your time wisely, getting rest and control of your calendar, learning to not have to be in control all the time, but to, 
entrust your life to him and base your calendar on what's eternal and matters, I promise you, you actually will have the capacity to be better at your responsibilities. You'll, they, they, your responsibilities will get a more focused, rested, available person because your life is properly prioritized and aligned. When we learn to steward our time wisely like that, then we can give it away generously. I'm, just, I'm turning this message into two parts right now because it's 1145. <laughs> so we will come back next Sunday and we will talk about how we can give our time generously and we can live with gratitude. And it's based on learning to steward our time faithfully and wisely. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. And God, we need your help. God, this challenges me as a person. It challenges me as a person living in America. Um, But God, I believe that you are an eternal God who has made me an eternal being. And God, that you're calling me to orient my life living in view of eternity instead of being a slave to something that is temporary and fleeting. God, would you help us to learn faithfully how to give you our time and how to live our time with you present? And God, would you teach us some wisdom and how to rest, how to guard our calendar and how to live our life in such a way that we take what is temporary and we invest it in what is eternal. God, we need your help in this. We need your help in this. And God, I pray as we take some steps of faith, maybe even this week by changing some things, that we would see the fruit of what you do in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.